Old habits die hard. I am sitting in the office. I've been sitting here for about half an hour and I've half a page of notes written. And uh, I was doing what I was doing yesterday and what I kind of promised myself and everybody else I wouldn't do, which is do a load of notes and try and prepare for the podcast as best I could and, you know, get it to a level whereby it's it's kind of good and better. And I just kind of had to go, ah, fucking, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. Old habits die hard. What I was doing, just to clarify, was I was making a load of notes and trying to have the structure of the podcast kind of written, not scripted, but the structure at least, so that the end product, this podcast, this episode, would be better. And look, I'm all for that, okay? I think a little bit of work goes a long way, and I'd never I'd never dream of picking up the mic and just talking endless drivel down the phone to you. Now, for example, I want to do a couple of things in this episode. I want to read a text message that I sent, I got sent from my uh, little brother, uh, Aidan, my little brother who's out in Qatar, Hi, Aidan. Um, he sent me a text message which I want to read, and he mentioned something in the text message, and I also want to read that. So I have them preloaded on my phone. I'm not saying that you shouldn't put work, you shouldn't put prior work into something that you're trying to do in order to achieve it. You absolutely should. What I'm saying is, or the point that I'm labouring to make is, don't let the pre-work stop you from actually doing the work itself. That's the that's the overarching point. But anyway, little brother out in the land of sand texts me yesterday, I think, saying, great to see more podcasts going up, fair play to you. Would you change your synopsis if you were to write it again? And I'll be honest, my knee jerk was, what the fuck is he talking about, my synopsis? The fuck? And then I was like, ah, he's talking about the, the kind of the about section of the podcast. And I have that here and I'm going to read it because this is what I wrote as the description of the podcast um, back in the day. I probably wrote this three years ago. So here goes. This podcast is my attempt to push back against what I call the domestication of our species. Over the years, I've become increasingly convinced that we humans have in recent decades become bread to consume. The podcast is called Off The Lead and its main purpose is to have and spread open and frank conversations with different people from all walks of life. Please feel free to comment private, comment publicly or privately with thoughts, recommendations, etc. to imoffthelead at gmail.com. Thanks in advance for listening. Frannel. Okay, so I'm still relatively happy with that. I wouldn't, what am I trying to say? I wouldn't, I wouldn't change what I wrote there. I the reason, or one of the reasons that I'm doing this is to push back against what I call the domestication of our species, okay? I genuinely do think that over the past number of years, decades, and indeed centuries and even millennia, we've we've essentially domesticated ourselves, okay? We, we, need, to be, we need to be told what to eat, where to live, how to live, what to do, and how to do it. And increasingly, this is the case, okay? Increasingly... Less people know how to hunt, less people know how to cook, less people know how to like live a subsistence lifestyle, or even a fucking, not a subsistence lifestyle, but a homesteading life, lifestyle. Like, homesteading is something that, you know, resides amongst fucking oddballs like me, you know, fucking skinning dead animals on the side of the road. Okay, that's the 2021 equivalent of homesteading. Now, I still haven't fully clear it with herself and herself isn't entirely in control of the decision if i was to get a pig and have it at home i'd obviously have to tell herself but i very 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 my man i very might well 
get it down where my business is based. That's probably the, the more suitable place to, to get the pig. Anyway, enough about the pig and more about what's called a mission statement. Now, companies all have mission statements, okay? And the idea of a mission statement is it's basically just a soundbite. It's usually only a few sentences and it's supposed to get across what, a, what it is that a company does, okay? Now, Google have a, a good one, which I thought I had loaded up here, but I don't. It's something along the lines of to better organize the world's information and to make it useful for people and to have everybody access it. That's there, thereabouts, their mission statement. But what I need to do now is I need to figure out what my mission statement is for Off The Lead, especially now more than ever because I've decided to do this full-time. So that's where that's what I'm at now is what is it that I'm trying to fucking do? What's the point? Why is this a kind of a passion project? Why have I devoted so many fucking hours of time and effort? Not so much money. I mean, I bought a couple of mics and a few bits and pieces a couple of years ago. That's all long spent. The mobile podcast studio that I'm building, that's literally been built with stuff that I already have. Okay, the the table came out of an old office that herself used to work in. The sheets were the walls of a grow room when I had a grow room that I was growing things in. And look, I bought a couple of tins of spray paint for, or not spray paint, expanding foam for 20 quid or whatever it was. But you know, 20 quid here and there, and that's the limit of my expenditure. Time-wise now is a different story. So if you can imagine, when I sit down to talk to somebody, uh, especially in the conversation, so let's say if I sit down and talk for, you know yourselves, it could anything. It could be between anything between two hours and four hours. Okay, let's say it's three hours. Take an average of three hours. It's not just the three hours it takes, okay? Because for a start, I either have to go to the person and set up all the mics and whatever else, or I have to get the place ready for somebody to come. I have to leave my house, I don't know, let's say minimum half an hour before they're supposed to get there. I have to meet them. And it's not as if I shake their hand back when you could shake people's hands. It's not as if I ever shook their hand, said, sit down there and we're live. It doesn't happen like that. If they've come to my place of business to do the recording, I'd usually give them a bit of a tour. And even if I don't, like when people came to my home originally where I was doing it, you know, I don't give them a tour of my house, especially if it's the evening and the fucking kids are in bed or whatever, ourself is in watching telly. When they came to the house, it was pretty quick. You'd get them out to the tunnel in the back garden. You'd sit them down. But there's still an element of, you know, making coffee and having a bit of chit-chat. And for the most part, maybe not for the most part, but a lot of the people that I've spoken to, the first time I laid eyes on them was when they either arrived at my house or my place of business. So there's a certain amount of, not not small, I suppose, look, it's small talk for want of a better term. There's a certain amount of small talk. There's a sm- certain amount of kind of letting the person setting in. I wouldn't just ram a mic in someone's face and say go. You know, you have to settle them in. There's a, a couple of things that I like to reassure people about. Little things, like, I don't know. Don't be worrying about things to say. That's my problem, okay? It's on me. You just have to basically talk freely as you can. And uh, I give people a heads up. If if I'm, what I'll say to them is, if I'm heading towards somewhere they don't want to talk about, or if I directly say, you know, what's the story with you being a big gay? I don't know. If there's something like that that they don't want me to talk about, then either give me the heads up before the recording starts so I never go there in the first place or if it does come up over the course of the two three or four hours that we're chatting just shake your head and I'll move on or explicitly say do you know what I'd sooner not talk about this and that's fair enough I'll move on because I want people to feel at ease and just thinking out loudly a good way 
to put people at ease is to tell them what you're all about. And that's essentially what a mission statement is. If you can succinctly in a few in a, a two or three sentences encapsulate everything that you're trying to achieve in what you're doing, people get that's the idea. It's like, oh okay, now I see what you're talking about. Now it gets a bit squirrely when you're talking about businesses because I read Coca-Cola's mission statement before I started recording this. And again, I don't have it to hand, but Coca-Cola's is something along the lines of to bring happiness and joy to as many people as possible. Oh my God, what a fucking load of absolute, total, utter horseshit. And you get a lot of that in company mission statements. You know, oh, we at, you know, rape third world countries limited love to do blah, 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 make the world a better place. This kind of fucking nonsensical horseshit. And there's a certainly a podcast in that. There's a series in that. How companies waffle to you and how and why you actually believe it. There, there are two kind of separate sides to that. There's the absolute horseshit that they come up with and there's the gullibility that we're all to blame for, basically. In Look, in varying degrees, you know yourself, some people will fucking swallow a bus and other people won't believe a fucking word you tell them no matter how much proof you give them. But anyway, I digress. Getting back to the mission statement. The mission statement is as much about telling yourself what you're all about as it is telling other people what you're all about. So I have this idea in my head of what the podcast is and what it's supposed to achieve and that gets me up out of bed in the morning. That gets me down here building the studio and just ramping up the whole thing and committing to doing it full time. And I know, of sorts, I know why I'm doing it. But I can't rhyme it off succinctly in a five second soundbite. So, so, I can't rhyme it off succinctly in a five second soundbite. Which is what I want to get to. And hopefully something will come out of the wash here. And will aid me in uh, developing my own mission statement. Another thing I found out about only from doing the small amount of research for this episode was a vision statement. I'd never heard of a vision statement before, but I came across it in a roundabout way. I think I googled, you know, what should be in a a mission statement. And I had seen vision statement come up a couple of times, but I just thought that was a, a, a Google algorithm thing. Vision and mission are somewhat similar, so maybe that's why it kept popping up. But I found a site that basically said you should have you should write your vision statement before your mission statement. And I was like, okay, I have to find out what a vision statement is. So a vision statement is basically where you want to end up. Okay, so once you have the goal kind of concretized in your mind, where you'd like to be, you know, at the end of all of this, or when you're on your fucking deathbed or whenever it is, Where do you want to be? And once you have that concretized in your mind, then you can set set about a mission statement that will achieve that or will will realize that. Okay, so for me, an ultimate vision of Off The Lead. So if, if Off The Lead was to take off like wildfire and there was hundreds of millions of people tuning in every other minute of the day what would the end result of that be after 50 years? That's the, the kind of thought process that I'm having. So first off, advertising, advert, I've just invented a new word there, advertising would change, okay? And what I mean by that is the common man, the everyday Joe in the street would know about the little tips and tricks and sneaky strategies that marketing companies have to grab your attention and to lie to you, and to get you to lie to yourself. There's a whole host of different things the companies do to basically con you. And 
what I rhymed off there about Coca-Cola's mission statement, whatever it is, it's something there, thereabouts, you know, to make the world a happier place. That's basically what it says. Now, that's just complete horseshit as far as I'm concerned. Their goal, defined by law, is to uh, ensure profitability for their stakeholders. Okay, so it's sourcing raw materials as cheaply as humanly possible, whilst not damaging... It's not that they want to damage the environment. And when I when I talk about Coca-Cola, you can just use them as a synonym for large corporations generally. Large corporations have no real interest in wreaking havoc on the environment, okay? It's just an aside. It's just a byproduct of what they do. And they're completely comfortable with this, all of them. But they have more public-facing personas, which don't allow them to be open and honest about how they're wrecking havoc on the planet, okay? So they'll have a a Rainforest Alliance sticker slapped onto the front of their fucking single-use plastic stuff made in a factory where they don't have good child labour laws. But it gives across that warm, cosy feeling of when you're buying in the shop, oh, I, I paid 10 cent extra because, you know, I'm supporting the rainforest. This, that... And that's another podcast, if not a whole other podcast series, how companies willfully mislead you into thinking one thing when nothing could be further from the truth. But anyway, I digress, as always. Getting back to the mission statement and actually getting back to the vision statement. So if I've got hundreds of millions of listeners and everybody's been listening for fucking 20 years and they've listened to everything that I've had to say and they get the whole off-the-lead mentality, the reason advertising would change is because A... People will see through the obvious bullshit. But B, and more importantly, the advertising industry would have to change. It's not as if once people are familiar with their sneaky tactics on, on how they kind of on how they hook you in and how they, they, they grab your attention. Making people aware of that won't end advertising. It'll change advertising. So I would envisage a future whereby if the general population of a country or of the planet, if that general population was, you know, scientifically savvy, basically, okay, they had a relative grounding in, what I have a relative grounding in, and what I'm trying to explain to people here, you know, a relative grounding in in everything, basically, in, in philosophy, in psychology, in geology, in marketing, in commerce, in in everything. I I can't mention enough things there. And I don't mean a fucking PhD or degree in each one of these, but just the basics. Like, Jesus Christ, you can get across the basics of marketing in half an hour. And maybe I'll sit down and actually... (laughs) I'm going back over my own advice to start this, but I would like to do more detailed stuff on more important things. So the likes of marketing, that deserves like a, a, an hour special, basically, bringing you right through where it came from, when it changed, when was the, the good old days when it wasn't as manipulative as it is now, what happened to change it over, and where we are now, and where it's headed, and all that jazz. But my vision, for want of a better term, is to get to a point whereby the cheap tricks of industry and of government don't work, basically. Because you, you can't fool, or sorry, I was about to say you can't fool an educated person. You certainly fucking can. But it's, it's a lot harder to fool somebody who's self-aware than somebody who isn't. And it's a lot harder to fool somebody who stands for something. There's a great saying, what is it? Somebody that doesn't stand for anything will fall for everything. 
And I love that. And I, I love, to, I love to, to, to get across the idea that it's, there's value in standing for something. There's value in standing for yourself. There's value for standing for others. There's value in collectively all of us becoming more engaged, knowing what's going on around us and not just going, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're building that road because oh, the, the council something and oh yeah, they're, they're building a stadium over here because of, you know, whatever. And oh, they're, they're redeveloping the Docklands in Dublin because of, oh, you know, whatever. And oh, Google are opening up here and Facebook are opening here and Amazon are opening here. And oh, you know, it's, it's all just, you know, it's all great, isn't it? And people haven't a fucking clue what's going on around them. Now, I'm not saying that I'm any better, okay? I have a relative grounding in a lot of these things and I do try and keep an eye of sorts on what's going on around me. But it's fucking hard. It's it's hard to, you know, be a dad and a brother and a son and a husband and a father and run a business and have a podcast and fucking everything else, okay? It's hard for all of us to to pay attention to things that are going on around us. And we can't be in charge of everything all the time. That's why we have government. That's why we have people who are experts in their fields and we leave them to their thing you won't hear me second guessing a surgeon do you know that kind of way because i don't know anything about surgery and i'm happy that he's as qualified as he is and all the rest of it but there's a midpoint okay there's a there's a there's a there's a kind of a go between between not knowing anything and knowing everything not knowing anything will just have you taken advantage of over and over and over and over again your entire life. And being aware of everything all the time is an impossibility. Okay, so we have that halfway point where we have what we call experts and we elect people in a democratic society to represent us in government and all the rest of it. That slipped massively. Okay, the amount of people who give a shit about who they elect has essentially been been extinguished. And if it hasn't been extinguished, the only reason that they have any kind of an allegiance to either a party or a person, it's because, you know, oh, that's just the way, that's just their their dad voted for that party. Or you often hear this shit in Ireland, oh, we're a Fianna Fáil family, or we're a, a Sinn Féin family. And like that to me, like that's that's like a little mini dictatorship. You're going to make your kids vote for who you voted for? Fuck that noise. I'm going to try and raise my kids to make decisions for themselves and be free-thinking, autonomous human beings. And I look forward to the time whereby my son or daughter go against me on something because it's important for kids to kind of challenge their parents at any age because kids that challenge their parents grow up to be adults who challenge the government and they don't just fucking sit idly by and have their governments run amok, basically. But we're coming up to 20 minutes and I need to wrap this up. So my vision statement is getting to a place whereby the the majority, the everyday guy, man, woman on the street, okay, knows 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 the fucking knows the basics of a few things. A couple of things that we weren't privy to in school, and that's another thing. That's by design, by the way. You don't think there's a reason why. Uh, getting a mortgage and having a mortgage and paying off a mortgage and what type of mortgage to get you don't you you think it's it's just a coincidence that that's not actually taught in school even though it's one of the biggest decisions that most people will ever make in their entire lives okay here's one for you there's a term in in banking i suppose at large and it's it's an acronym they love their acronyms what is it 
ability to pay, ATP. And apparently that's the only thing that banks give two flying fucks about, ATB, ability to pay. Okay, and that, all that means is when you walk into the bank looking for a loan, whether it's a mortgage or a car loan or a business loan or whatever it is, they want to know, have you the ability to pay? And the, the way you show them, you don't show them how you've put, you know, 100 quid or 500 quid a week or whatever, 10 euro a week, whatever it is. You don't show them your ability to pay by showing them how you've saved X amount every month for the last 50 years. They don't give a shit about that. They want to see you having gotten a loan and paid it off. Okay, so you're far better off, okay? Let's say you're going to save, I don't know, just 100 grand over 20 years. Let's just, for simple maths. You've decided over the next 20 years, you're going to save 100 grand, or at least try to. Now, again, this is just a thought experiment. So you put away enough every week or or month or whatever it is, and at the end of the 20 years, you've 100 grand. You go and try and get a loan, you're going to have a hell of a lot more difficulty than somebody else who got a hundred grand loan on day one and paid it off over the next 20 years. The person who paid off the hundred grand, they've got ATP, ability to pay, okay? And the fact that that, the likes of that isn't taught in schools. I used to think was shocking, but now I think it's what you should expect because educating people in the system of education that we have, it's not about making people more aware or more vigilant. And it's not about teaching you how to spot a crooked fucking anything, whether it be a doctor or a politician or businessman. It's not about that. It's about separate, first and foremost, to me at least, the education system is about separating people, managers and workers, A classes and B classes, honours and pass. Okay, you get, Everyone gets poured in at the top and at the bottom you get extruded out into two pipes. People who tell people what to do and people who do what they're told. Okay, that's what the education system is to me at least. And I think what I'm struggling to do here is to try and notice and find out the things that I've learned that I didn't learn in school that I can then teach other people. Whatever it is, even just about your own mental health or your own relationships with your partner or how you set up your own business. Anything that I've been harping on about, the the different types of things that I tend to talk about tend to be very general, which means that you can use them in relation to your business or you can use them into relation in relation of cleaning your fucking windows or whatever. They have it's it's you'll often hear me saying broad sweeping generalization alert. That has there's two components to that. One, it's you know, don't nail me on this because I'm speaking broadly. And the other end of it is, don't just consider this useful in the narrow field that I'm talking about now. It has overarching implications, essentially. So that's the vision. That's where I want to get to. I want to get to a point whereby the general population is at least as educated in my, as myself in these matters and aren't as easily fooled and will think twice about who they vote for and why they're voting and will know a little bit about not local politics or politics per se. not local politics when I say local politics I mean the politics in your country I don't mean your local fucking chambers of commerce or your local councilman or whatever I mean the country that you live in that's your local government okay now I think it's far more valuable to learn the differences let's say between a conservative person and a liberal person as opposed to learning you know Who's the leader of whatever party? Because that's the kind of bullshit you get taught in school. You do politics in, in, in 
secondary school, but it's and even a, you do a bit of it in primary school. But it's all about who led what party when and where. Like I went through primary school and secondary school before ever realizing that there was such a thing as a conservative person and a liberal person. Okay, in America, it's a bit more uh, straightforward. In America, you have the Democrats, which are supposedly liberal, and the Republicans, who are supposedly conservative. Now, the difference between the two of them, in a nutshell, is conservatives want things to stay the same, and liberals want to change everything. Okay, now, it's not quite that straightforward. And these days, we have what's called neoliberalism, which is essentially conservatives with a smile. That's essentially what neoliberalism is, and it's what we have in this country. It's a load of people who preach change. Leo Varadkar, for me, was the poster child of this. You know, he was a a young, cool, gay, migrant, triathlon-running doctor. Like, you know, and a real progressive guy. He was front and centre for gay rights and front and centre for marriage equality and front and centre for the abortion referendum, and he's all about change and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't change the fucking tax rate for the rich. You know, that's plain sailing, lads. Keep that fucking wheel turning. Keep the poor, poor and the rich getting richer. Okay, that's neoliberalism. But again, enough about conservatism, liberalism and neoliberalism. 25 fucking minutes. Jesus Christ. I haven't even gone on to the thing I wanted to talk about. A mission statement. So that's the vision. That's the vision. If I can get everybody to a level whereby they're not suckered by everything, like most people are, thumbs up. Okay. And the next episode is going to have to be about the mission statement, which is made on the back of that notion of a vision for your future. And I'll chat to you soon.